You're listening to Rock Your Kindness, a new podcast presented by Love What Matters and dedicated to highlighting incredible stories surrounded by kindness. I'm your host, Tracy Farron, author, speaker, cancer thriver, and online creator. But what I really love to do is inspire others to be kinder to themselves and those they encounter, because you never know how your kindness can change the trajectory of not just your life, but the life of another. How the words of a loving and caring labor and delivery nurse took a young single mother from the depths of despair to happy, healthy, and thriving. The color black is the only thing I can think of to describe the darkness that had overcome my life just two weeks leading up to the delivery of my son. It makes me physically sick to think about how effortlessly I was just going through the motions of every day. I would wake up, make breakfast for my daughter, give her a bath, and then eventually make my way to the room where I stayed the majority of the day watching Lifetime movies to make me feel like someone else's world was a little more messed up than mine. I prayed that the last few weeks had just been a nightmare I was going to wake up from any second. I was home folding clothes when I got the phone call that changed my life forever. To this day, I still replay those words in my head over and over because truthfully, I will never not blame myself. Are you sitting down? The words that came next took all of the light out of my life and air from my lungs. A suicide. It didn't seem possible. It didn't seem real. I didn't want to believe it. I didn't want to begin to think about the darkness this person must have felt in the days leading up to this tragedy. I could not even begin to imagine until it was me. So I had an order of protection against this person. We were friends at one point and they had their own set of things going on. But because of going through court and everything with the order of protection, after they took their own life, people were messaging me and texting me and emailing me and trying to contact me in every single way. And they're like, this is your fault. This is your fault. So I guess that's why I did blame myself. Wow. Can you talk about why they blamed you? There's two sides to every story. One side, my son's dad's friend's family didn't believe that this stuff actually happened. And then you have my family and the people that were supportive of me. And they were like, no, like this did happen. So I'm guessing that they just didn't believe it. The only thing I could possibly compare the last nine months of my life to is a movie. A very twisted and dark movie. You know, the type of movie that starts off great, gets a little rocky, and then boom, they hit you with the most unexpected ending. My three-year-old daughter and I had just fled a horrible situation. We left with nothing but the clothes on our backs and all of our stuff was burned. The last nine months started with friendship and then quickly escalated into drinking, partying, and intercourse. After intercourse came control, violence, fear, restraining orders, and police escorts, and now death. My world had never been so dark. I was pregnant, scared, single mom, and just wanted someone, anyone, to wrap their arms around me and tell me it was all going to be okay, to comfort me somehow. My heart was broken, and I honestly never felt more alone. My relationship with my son's dad started off as friends and then it 
became more. It got very dark and very controlling and very abusive, if you will. And at first I did not realize it. There are so many warning signs and so many people like his ex and just people that came around tried to warn me of it, but I don't know. I guess I was in like a zone and just didn't see it. So after I think I was like 12 weeks pregnant with my son and I knew at that point that if I didn't leave that me, my daughter and my son, like we might not ever get a chance to leave. So that's what I did. I told them that I was going to get breakfast with my friends and I took my daughter, put her in the car and just floored it out of the driveway and did not ever look back. And how long were you guys together? It wasn't that long. It was probably about maybe six or seven months. I know like hindsight 2020, right? But what were these warning signs that you wish you would have seen or that people were telling you about? Mainly just like his ex reaching out to me on a consistent basis to try to warn me. And it was genuine. It wasn't like, oh, like I'm just going to cause drama because I'm the ex, you know, the alcohol abuse, rage, all that stuff. After hearing the news, I became a shell. I had no emotion. I felt nothing. I didn't cry or talk to anyone. I felt alone in a world full of people. I went through the motions every day because I had to. I felt like someone had put me in a dark mirror maze, like the ones at the carnivals, and then left me to find my way out, which was impossible. I was at the lowest possible part of my life. If you could get any lower than rock bottom, I was there. The day I delivered my son started as a normal day. I was 40 weeks in so much pain and felt like I was ready to explode. My daughter was already awake watching TV in the living room. As soon as I stood up to check on her, I felt a gush. I rushed to the bathroom and saw blood. Shortly after finding the blood, the intense pain began. It radiated from my pelvis to my back and grew more intense with every step I took. This didn't feel normal. Two hours later, I was at the hospital where they confirmed I was not in labor and suggested it was my mucus plug and that I go home and schedule an induction for Sunday night. I was so frustrated and tired of being pregnant. I begged them to keep me, but they wouldn't because they needed the room. What I didn't know was just two hours later, I would meet the person who would save me and my son's life. With my daughter, I was induced at over 40 weeks. She didn't want to come out and I was like, okay, like it's eviction day. You need to get out basically. So I didn't know, I didn't know what to look for when it comes to like going into labor naturally. So when I stood up and I felt the gush, I was like, oh cool. Like my water just broke. And then I started having like really intense pain, but I wouldn't say it was contractions. It wasn't normal. And then I started having bleeding and I was like, I don't think you're supposed to have that. So called the triage nurse at the hospital and they told me to come in. So we go in and I'm there literally all day from like 10 o'clock in the morning till five o'clock in the afternoon. They hooked me up to the monitor and they checked my cervix and like checked to see if my water broke and apparently it didn't. But I kept saying, I was like, something's not right. Something's not right. I'm not supposed to be having this pain. It's not supposed to be excruciating like this. Like I wasn't supposed to be having 
any type of red bleeding, like something's not right. And nobody would listen. They were more focused on the numbers, like baby's heart rate's fine, blood pressure's fine. Like you're not dilating any more than two or three and your water didn't break. So like, you're not in labor. They weren't focused on like what I was telling them. So I had the doctor come in there and he basically tried to tell me that I was sleep deprived and tried to prescribe me Ambien and just wasn't listening either. And he was like, I can't keep you here. You have to call and schedule an induction. We need the room. We have someone coming. So I left like knowing in my heart that something wasn't right. And they always tell you, trust your gut. And especially as a mom and it being like your baby inside your body, like, you know, you know, when something isn't right. After fighting with them for like eight hours, we left and went home. And then literally like 15 minutes after getting home, my water had broke. And it was evident that it had broke that time because it was like a river. It was a gush. So then we turned around and we were starting to go back to the hospital. And my mom was with me and she was like, do you want to try the hospital that's further away to see if they are any better? Or do you want to try the one we were just at? At that point, like it came on really quick and my contractions were really close together and I was just like, no, like, I'm not trying to have a baby in the car. I'm not trying to have a baby on the side of the road. Let's just go to the one that's closest. So we get there and they're like shuttling me up to labor and delivery. And there's this young girl. And like, I will always remember this because at the time, like, I just thought it was so strange. I was like, why did she just say that to me? And I was so like depressed and like just sad. You couldn't convince me that there was like a good person in this world. Like I just thought that everybody was cold hearted and had like an alternative motive and you just couldn't convince me anyone was good. And so we were in the elevator and she was in labor too, but she was like super early and like in between contractions, she looked at me and she was like, I don't know why I feel the need to tell you this, but that baby is about to change your life. And I was sitting there and I was like, okay, cool. Didn't really think anything of it. And then like before I could say anything else, like she went one way and then I went the other way. It felt like as soon as I left the hospital, I was right back there again. Except for this time, I was in full-blown labor. An elderly man pushed me as fast as he could up the labor and delivery floor. I don't know why, but I was so scared to go through those doors and feared I would be met with judgment for being there earlier and begging to stay. As soon as I got to my room, my nurse was already there getting everything ready. She greeted me and handed me a gown and a urine specimen cup. I didn't say anything except, do I really have to do this all over again? She froze stopped folding the sheet, and just stared at me. Her face wasn't mad, and her eyes weren't narrowed, but instead, she looked concerned, like she was trying to read me. I looked at the floor when I realized how rude I was being, apologized, and slowly made my way to the bathroom. Clearly, my people skills were out of whack ever since I decided to isolate myself two weeks ago. To this day, like, I feel so bad because I was so rude. But, like, again, I was in that headspace, like, I don't care. Like, I don't want to be here. I'm, I hate my life. So I didn't even look at her and I was like, I really have to do this again. Like, I literally just did this eight hours ago. She didn't say anything. She didn't have a rude response. She didn't even respond. She just looked at me. 
and just like stared at me. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to the bathroom and pee in this cup again. So then I get checked in and like they're doing the emissions assessments and part of that emission assessment that they have to do is they have to ask you like, hey, do you have a history of substance abuse, like not being safe in the home, domestic violence, like the whole nine yards. And then obviously like it's yes down the list. And that was like really hard for me to even like admit to, but like for my safety and for my son's safety, like I had to, and they immediately put me on no info, like private patient. So like my info wasn't anywhere in the hospital records. You had to have a passcode to come in to see me and my son, or you had to have a passcode to be able to call and get information on us. At some point during my labor, things went sideways. I don't really remember a lot of it because of how downhill we went very quickly. My labor progressed normally for about an hour or so. With my daughter, my labor was a breeze. I got the epidural and I slept the whole time. This time, however, was a complete opposite. The contractions grew strong, very quickly, and I was progressing even quicker. I felt like as soon as one contraction would end, I would go right back into another one. It was single-handedly some of the worst pain I had ever felt. I was praying we would get through the admission assessment quickly so I would be able to get some pain medication. I know for a fact that I was a difficult patient to take care of especially with what I was mentally dealing with on top of the severe pain. My nurse took every bit of attitude I dished out with a grain of salt. She was kind, patient, and calm. She coached me through breathing, wiped the makeup from my face, and told me stories from her own labor to help distract me from the pain. I was terrible. And like now today as a nurse, I'm like, I was that patient. I was that patient you hear about and nobody wants, I hate to say that, just the ones that complain. And I was that patient at that time. I'm convinced of it. And she didn't care. She still did her job. She didn't give me any attitude back. I wanted pain medication really bad. But when I got to the hospital, I was already like seven centimeters dilated. So I couldn't have any pain medication. That was a problem for me because I was in a lot of pain. So I definitely gave her attitude about that. They kept turning me because my son's heart rate kept tanking. So they had to keep turning me. And at one point I yelled at her and I was like, do not turn me again until I get through this contraction. And she was like, no, like we're turning now. And like took the chuck and like flipped me over by herself. I was like, okay, we're turning. (laughs) I was awful. (laughs) I complained about everything. It was a pain. Yeah. When I felt like I was able to control the pain enough to rest a little, I opted to try to sleep to conserve some energy. Wasn't even 30 minutes later that my labor took a wild turn. I told my mom to call the nurse. I didn't feel right. I felt dizzy and the room was starting to spin. Before she could push the call light, two other nurses ran into the room. They put a non-rebreather on my face and rolled me to my side. They were trying to get my son's heart rate up. An alarm started going off to notify them of my blood pressure. It was 87 over 48 and dropping. My O2 sat was sitting at 84%. Out of fear, I grabbed my nurse's hand and the other two nurses made sure I was comfortable on my side. Quickly removing her eyes from the monitor, she said, It's okay. Just breathe. I got you guys. My son was born an hour later. 
It was the most painful thing I have ever experienced. At some point during practice pushes and waiting for the provider to get there, it was noted that my son was in distress again. At this point, the pain and urge to push were getting hard to ignore. My nurse begged me not to push as she sprinted out of the room and yelled down the hall that she needed him now. Another nurse stood next to my bed, reassuring me and coaching me through breathing. As minutes passed and the provider was still making his way to my room, my nurse knew that every minute or even second counted at this point. Knowing that time was going to be working against us soon, we began to push. I had never seen so much competence and confidence in one person as my nurse was reassuring and counted me through pushes. We got through two pushes and the provider finally made it to my room. Two more pushes and my son was born. As soon as he came out, I remember seeing the sheer terror on everyone's face. He was purple and had the nuchal cord wrapped tightly around his neck twice. The provider unlooped the nuchal cord from my son's neck and after what felt like the longest few seconds of my life, my son finally cried. They placed him on my chest briefly, cut the cord, and then brought him to the warmer to assess and work on him. I looked over at the warmer and asked if he was okay, to which my nurse responded, I've got him, mama. He is okay, and you did great. Before leaving the room, the provider looked at my sweet baby boy and then at my nurse, nodded at her and said, great job. It was then I realized that if it wasn't for her, the outcome could have been so much different. Her quick thinking and competence just saved my son's life. I'll never forget it. At first, I felt relieved because, you know, like after you have a baby, like you're done pushing and everything, you're like, oh, it's over. But then like I saw everybody's faces around me and I was like, maybe it's not because something's not right. There was like a student and then a few other nurses that had come into the room because of the complications that we were having. And I looked over at the student and her face was literally just like white, like nothing. And then I looked over at my nurse who was like at the foot of the bed and she like straight poker face. You couldn't tell anything was wrong, but he basically was born blue, actually purple. And he had the nuchal cord wrapped twice around his neck. He wasn't breathing, but they got him breathing and color good and everything. After that, I felt relieved that like my pregnancy was over, but I still, just from being in the mindset that I was, from being so down and depressed and like all the stuff that I had just went through, I don't really know how to explain it. I didn't care that I just had a baby, if that makes sense. I was concerned that he might not be okay. And I kept asking like, is he okay? Is he okay? Even after the fact, but I didn't want to bond with him. Like, I was just, like, not in a good headspace. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It was around 2 a.m. on January 8th when my life changed forever and I realized absolutely everything happens for a reason. I was still up holding my baby boy and just staring at him. I remember thinking about how beautiful he was and how he didn't ask for this to be his life or his story. It was then I started to cry. How could something so beautiful come out of such a sad situation? It was the first time I had allowed myself to cry in such a long time. I was attempting to put my baby back in his bassinet when the nurse walked in. I put my head down so she couldn't see that I'd been crying, and I pretended to fix his swaddle. I hate crying in front of people. At this point, my baby was awake, probably from me moving him so much in my attempts to hide my swollen eyes. Can I hold him? My nurse asked. I nodded and watched as she swaddled him and made her way over to the chair by the window. She smiled down at him as she rocked him. You are a cutie, but you gave us quite a scare there, little man, she said to him. I kept my head turned slightly in the opposite direction to avoid an awkward conversation about why I was crying. I knew she noticed and I knew the question was coming. You remind me of myself, she said. I looked around the room as if there was someone else she could be talking to. Clearly, she wasn't talking to my three-hour-old infant. I didn't know what to say, so I didn't say anything and faked a smile before looking away. Are you okay, she asked. I wasn't okay. I was sad, broken, feeling alone, and my world had completely shattered just two weeks prior. I blamed myself for someone taking their own life. And I was now a single mom of not just one, but two babies and felt completely unprepared. I was scared and I had no direction in my life. And frankly, after the chain of unfortunate events that my life had been in the past few months, I didn't want to be here. This was the first time anyone had asked me if I was okay or even noticed that I wasn't. I tried so hard to hold the tears back, but it was a fight I could not win. I put my head in my hands and cried. I cried for the first time in nine months. Seeing this, my nurse returned my now sleeping baby to his bassinet, sat next to me, and gave me the biggest hug as I continued to cry. My mom had left probably about an hour after I had him. So I was completely by myself, just had a baby by myself with all of the thoughts racing and I'm not a crier. I rarely ever show emotion as it is, but with everything that had just happened to me, I just feel like I wasn't able to like process things, not even like the last month before I had him, but like the last 10, just like the disaster. So I was holding him and I was looking at him and I just cried for like the first time in probably like a year, like just cried. And I really don't even know what I was crying about. I think it was just everything that I had been through. I still joke to this day that like I hit the call button by accident and like the whole nurse's station heard me crying or something because I don't understand how somebody has perfect timing like that. I do not. So I was crying. It was evident. And she walked in to do, help me get up, go to the bathroom, get changed, all that stuff. And I guess she noticed, but didn't want to, tell me that she noticed that I had been crying. And I remember I just kept my head down because like, I don't cry in front of people. I've never have. And 
I was like fidgeting with my son's diaper, just trying to not make it look like I was upset about anything. And she came in and she looked at him and she was like, can I hold him? And I was like, sure, why not? Sure. And so I let her hold him and she like went and sat by the windows in like a rocking chair and was rocking him. And then I'm like looking at my phone and then randomly she was like, you remind me of myself. And I was like, thanks. I didn't really know how to respond to that. But literally after everything that I had been through in the last 10 months and then the suicide and not one person, and I don't think it was intentional. I just think that people get caught up in their own lives and they see a pregnant mom doing what you're supposed to do as a mom, making dinner for your kids or taking your kids on walks or folding clothes and getting ready for the baby. And they don't realize like, hey, that person might not be okay because what you show the world sometimes isn't always what you're feeling. So not one person had asked me if I was okay after all of that, that I had been through. So when she asked me if I was okay, I was like, this is the first person to ask me if I was okay in like a year, literally. I think that's when it all kind of hit me and I literally just started crying. That's when she put my son down, put him back in his bassinet and came over and she didn't say anything. She just hugged me. And again, like that's the first time that anyone had ever like hugged me or anything in the last year. So that, that was a lot. <laughs> I had just left a terribly abusive situation was listed as a private patient, alone, a single mom, and now grieving a death that I believe was my fault. On top of it all, I had just delivered a baby. I was crying from fear, shock, stress, anxiety, sadness, and loneliness. I was a complete stranger to her, but she didn't care. She hugged me tight, and once the tears finally subsided, she let me talk it out. I opened up about everything because suddenly I felt safe to do so. So she gives you a hug and then what? She kind of just allowed me to let it all out. Just cry and talk about whatever I needed to talk about. And I did. And that was like a huge thing for me because I didn't ever do that. So we talked And then I don't remember a lot of it, but I do remember that I had told her quite a bit. I had told her I didn't want to keep going. I wanted to give up. I felt like it was my fault that this person had taken their own life, all of that dark stuff. Before returning to work, she helped me wipe the makeup and mascara off my face and get cleaned up. Before leaving the room, she gave me one more hug, looked at me, and said something I have carried with me for over three years now. I know a strong and good person when I see one. You were given this life not by accident, but because you are strong enough to live it. You were given those babies because they need you to be their mom. You can let your struggles destroy you, or you can let them motivate you. It's not the struggle that defines us, but what we do after that matters. And with that, she smiled, took one look at my sweet baby sleeping in his bassinet, and walked out of the room. As soon as she walked out of the door, she quickly returned and said, If you feel like no one believes in you, remember that I do. Go back to nursing school, finish your degree, and make your kids proud. They need you. 
Then she says, if you feel like no one believes in you, remember that I do. Go back to nursing school, finish your degree, and make your kids proud. They need you. So that's so sweet. Yeah. And and you did. I did. Yeah, I did. Tell me about what that did for you. It made me feel like someone cared. And I hate to say that because I know that people did care, but at that time, it felt like no one did. And like I said, it might have not been intentional, but at that time, the only thing that was keeping me from giving up was the fact that I had a three-year-old daughter at home and a newborn, like that's only three hours old, literally laying in the bed next to me. And this random stranger that comes into my room and gives me a hug at 2 a.m. That made me feel like someone cared. And it just gave me motivation. Not only what she said, but like when we had an emergency and the way she responded to that, I just think all of that together, I was like super inspired and I just needed to keep going. But I really think it was the fact that somebody acted like they cared. Oftentimes people can act like they care, but we don't feel it because sometimes it's just not genuine. So there had to have been something about this nurse that was just so genuine and she truly cared and you felt that. And I'm assuming you felt safe with her because you were able to let your guard down and let your wall down and cry and confide in her. But I just think it's so sweet, all those things she said to you. (laughs) They say never judge a book by its cover. And I think that goes for people too. My attitude and mannerisms during our first interaction reminded my nurse of herself at my age. And that's how she knew something was wrong from the second I walked into the room. Seven months after delivering my son, I fell into a dark patch again. I thought I had found love when I really just trusted the wrong people. What I thought was loved turned into violence once again. After a disagreement one morning, I went to work. On my lunch break, I received a text stating that I was being thrown out and I could come get my stuff and my children on the porch. I immediately left work, frantic, thinking who would put an eight-month-old and three-year-old outside. When I got there, there was a young girl sitting with my children and a police officer waiting for me. My kids' belongings were destroyed. Spoiled milk, mashed potatoes, baby food, and paint were covering all of our things. The officer helped me get my kids into my car and then asked me where I was going to go. I had no idea, but I knew I had to figure it out quickly. I spent hours in my car sobbing. My three-year-old wrapped her arms around me and kept telling me it was okay and not to cry and how much she loved me. I had hit rock bottom once again. I checked into a hotel room, tucked my kids into bed, locked myself in the bathroom and cried. This is not how it's supposed to be. I had lost everything. A few days later, I voluntarily surrendered my kids so I could get my life back on track for them. This was the hardest thing I had to do, and I don't wish it upon my worst enemy. Seeing someone drive away with your children and not knowing if you will ever see them again or if you will ever be what they need is the absolute worst feeling in the world. I remember feeling numb. After I had my son, I was determined to go back to school and rebuild my life. And I had like this turn from that one conversation that I had. So I was applying to school and I was applying for jobs to work as a CNA until I finished nursing school. 
and I had like a really good group of friends. I was doing really good for a really long time. And then I got into another relationship and started drinking more than I should, going out more, just kind of falling off of that good path that I was on. And I was at work one day, I worked as a nurse tech at a rehab facility. And it was in the middle of my shift and I got a text after an argument that all of my stuff along with my three-year-old and six-month-old would be outside waiting for me. So I leave work and I get there and all of my stuff and my kid's stuff is outside. Mind you, we don't have a lot because all of our stuff from my previous bad relationship was burned in a bonfire, literally. So all of it was outside, but it wasn't just outside. It was destroyed. There was like food poured all over my kids things. It was terrible. So I get there and there was the babysitter was outside with both of my kids and there was a police officer there. I like get my kids and I put them in the car and he was like, so where are you going to go? All of your stuff is destroyed and you have a three-year-old and a six-month-old in your car. Like, where are you going to go? And I was like, I don't know, but I can't stay here. So I ended up staying in a hotel for a little bit because I needed to have a roof over my children's heads. I could not stay in a car. So I did that for a little bit. I had a friend watch them so I could go to work. But eventually I knew that I couldn't live with my children in a hotel room. Like that's not okay. So my family stepped in and they took them for a little bit so I could work and find a place and get my life together. That was terrible. Would not wish that on my worst enemy, no matter how much I disliked them. But it definitely was a new breaking point, even though it was family. But like seeing my kids drive away in a car without me and just like not knowing when you're going to see them again or when you're going to get them back, that was hard. And that was one of the points in my life where I was like, I just failed. I literally just failed these kids. I went back to the hotel room, closed the curtains, and laid in complete darkness for two days straight. I will admit, in some of those dark moments, I thought of every way to end my life after losing absolutely everything, failing as a mother and thinking I would never get ahead again. I wanted to give up. I just wanted to get it over with and end it quickly because I never saw myself coming out of this dark hole. My children deserve so much better than me. I remember looking at the bottle of hydroxyzin I had. That would be quick, but I didn't do it. And do you want to know why? Because in those last moments of replaying the events that took place in the last eight months, I remembered exactly what my labor nurse had told me just eight months ago. I remembered my kids needed me and someone believed in me and that I cannot let my struggles destroy me. I had to get up off the floor and let them motivate me. So that's exactly what I did. I got up, got dressed for my night shift, and went to work. At work, I made a plan. I started applying for apartments of my own and applied to take my entrance exam for nursing school. I missed my kids like crazy, but I was ready to give them a better life. I had not lost faith that we would all be together again one day and happy. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm downward spiraling again. I start getting hate text messages from the person that kicked me out. And basically just telling me like I am an awful mother. My kids are so much better with my mom. I don't deserve to live. Just like all this stuff. Like just kill yourself, basically. That was kind of like the cherry on top for me. I literally just lost everything I had for the second time in a row. I am in a hotel room. In my mind, I failed as a mom. I just lost my children. And now I'm getting these messages from this person. And I was off work that night. And I just remember wanting to give up. Like I was like, I give up. I have lost absolutely everything. And I feel like people say all the time, like, oh, I've lost everything. I've lost everything. But like, I can't describe the feeling like it is the worst feeling in the world to have literally lost everything. So I remember I was just laying there and it sounds terrible, but I looked around the room and I was like, what is the easiest way? I had hydroxyzine. I had that prescribed for anxiety. And I remember like looking at the bottle and I was like, this will be easy and this will be quick. And I'm done because what more do I have? I have absolutely nothing. I didn't, but I remember sitting there and I was thinking over like the course of events that had just happened to me over the last year and a half. And for some reason, something in me went back to the night that I had my son. And I remembered that conversation that I had. And I remembered how it made me feel to have someone care and what she said to me. And I really think that was the reason that I kept going at that point. I did not give up that night. Wow. It's almost like maybe she saved your life for a second time in the hospital and your baby and then in the hotel room when you were considering taking your life. A few weeks later, I had an apartment, was accepted into nursing school, and was ready to turn my life around. I worked out a plan with my family to see my kids and have visitation with them and got to spend time with them on the weekends and holidays. I worked 12-hour night shifts and went to school during the day and clinical rotations on the weekends. I saved every dime I could, missed a lot of sleep, and was exhausted almost 24-7. But 12 months later, when I had my diploma in my hand and graduated top of my class with honors, it was all worth it. I passed my NCLEX exam on the first try and secured a great job. I was finally ready to give my kids the beautiful life they deserved and more. So after that, I picked myself up and I'm a big fan of lists. So I had to write out everything that I was going to do. And I wrote out like my plan 
what I was going to do. I was going to find an apartment and apply to nursing school. I applied to three different nursing schools for their next start date. And then I took the second one that I got accepted to and I started nursing school and started to get my life back on track. During nursing school, I did have like visitation with my kids. You could say I got to see them whenever they just stayed with my family. But after I graduated, I got a job working as a nurse on a rehab unit, passed my NCLEX, and then eventually got my kids back. That's amazing. I was thrilled and excited, but something was missing. I felt like there was still one more thing that I had to do before I could officially close this chapter. Someone I needed to thank, but also someone I hoped would be in this next chapter. The person who believed in me when I felt like the world had turned against me. When I got home from work one night, I started going through all of my folders where I kept important documents. I was looking for my medical record from my son's birth. I was determined to find this nurse and thank her. It might have seemed silly to some, but to me, it was a big deal. People like that don't get placed in your path for no reason. This I was sure of. My medical record was no help. Everything was whited out. So I decided to go to social media. Social media has found people who were missing for years. I was sure they could find someone whose last name I didn't have. I posted to a nursing group, and within hours, I had a midwife and two nurses who knew exactly who I was talking about, one of which recalled the exact night I had my son. I could finally thank her for saving my son's life, and my own, in many ways. For this reason, my daughter had both my son and me here today. I was like, I have to find this person wherever they are, and I have to just say thank you. That's it. So I started going through like my records and none of my hospital records had a name for the nurse and a lot of stuff was whited out. And I was like, okay, this is really weird. It had initials, but it didn't have a name. And then I think I had posted on a Facebook group that is for people in the medical profession. It's got like all types of different occupations in there. There's like a million people in it. I posted the night that my son was born, kind of what happened, and then like a picture. And I really wasn't thinking that I was going to get much luck, especially when you have a nurse who is a traveler. They travel all over the place, so it's hard to really know someone or pinpoint. And then I had so many people respond and like tagging people that they knew that worked in this area that worked at that hospital. And then I had a nurse midwife reach out to me and say that they thought they knew they worked night shift at that hospital on labor and delivery. And they thought they knew who I was talking about, but they weren't sure. And they had to go through their friends list. And I was like, okay. And then a few hours later, she came back and she was like, yeah, I think this is her, like sent me her profile. And I was like, yes, that is her. So she sent her a message first because I don't want to like creep somebody out. And then from there, the nurse that had messaged me that knew her did, and she sent her my post. And then she actually reached out to me and I think it was on Mother's Day. So she was like, happy Mother's Day. And then kind of talked about how my post made her feel and how I was one of the patients that she did remember. And that my post and what I said about her kind of had her at a loss for words. In May of 2022, we finally got to meet after three years, and my heart was so happy. 
My son automatically connected with her like he had known her his whole life. And this wasn't the first time they actually were meeting. To see my children interact, play, and laugh with the person who not only saved my son's life, but is a reason they still have their mother, made my heart full. I brought my son and my daughter to go meet her, and we went to the pool, and immediately she was like, I need a hug, and like gave me a hug, and I was like, my heart. But her and my son, they connected almost immediately, which was wild to me. He's not very affectionate with people unless he knows you. He's shy. If he doesn't know you, he'll be like super standoffish of you, won't look at you, won't talk to you, like nothing. And immediately he was just connected to her. I've never seen him like that with anybody really, unless it's my family. And he doesn't ever get in the water for anybody. He won't even get in the water for me. He got in the water for her though. And they had like an immediate connection. What's your relationship like since meeting her a few months ago? We talk frequently. Sometimes I'll send her pictures of my son or like my daughter. They say people are placed in your life for a reason. I am so grateful we have crossed paths once again. She has been the biggest light in our lives and a huge part of my support system as a single mother, student, and nurse. I am so beyond grateful for her being by my side for three years during some of the hardest and scariest times. And now she gets to be by my side during my transition to RN and hopefully a career in labor and delivery in which she inspired me to pursue. Today, I am working as a traveling nurse and am almost done with my RN Bridge program. My children are happy, healthy, and thriving. I am able to put a roof over our heads, food on the table, clothes in their closets, and fund the extracurricular activities they enjoy. We live in a small beach town that I never want to leave. We are safe and happy. We read bedtime stories, bake cookies, and take family trips. We go hiking and spend lots of time outdoors at our favorite parks. Three years ago today, I dreamed of this being my life and never imagined I could achieve it. To think I almost threw my life away and would never get to experience the smiles on my kids' faces or them running to me and yelling mommy after school or hearing their laughter. Have you asked your patients what she has asked you? Have you asked them, how are you? Yes. I really ask every single one of my patients that, yeah. And what are their responses? Do some open up and really truthfully tell you? Yeah, I'm used to having like 30 some patients at a time. So sometimes it is hard to sit in there with them, but I do. I have skipped lunch breaks to sit in with some of my patients because that's what they needed. And I have had patients open up and then I have had some patients that are more long-term that stay where I work. Tell me like, you're the only nurse that asks us how we are or says good morning or doesn't just come in here and flip the lights on. You tell us stories about your kids. You make us feel like people and like we matter. And to me, that's kind of what inspired me to be a nurse too, so. I think it does make a huge difference to patients when a nurse or doctor treats them like a human being mm -hmm. and asks them how their day is. And so you're going to pursue labor and delivery, is that correct, because of her? Yes, I would like to. I'm in a bridge program right now, so hopefully when I get done, I'll be able to. You came so far in such a short amount of time and I just think it's amazing. I really do. 
Our story is a perfect example of why it's important to always ask if someone is okay. If you have the extra few minutes, offer them a safe space to talk or a hug, even if they are a complete stranger. I promise it will save a life because it saved mine. People may not remember your name or what you looked like, but they will always remember how you made them feel. The words you say, they might carry with them for the rest of their life. I was very broken and so lost, and she was the light when I needed it. If you are listening to this and you are someone who is struggling and can't seem to dig yourself out of the dark hole, I am going to leave you with this, the same words that kept me going in my darkest moments. You can let your struggles destroy you, or you can let them motivate you. It's not the struggle that defines us, but what we do after that matters. If you feel like no one else believes in you, I hope you remember that I do. Remember being taught that sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me? I get the sentiment behind it, but the truth is words do have power. They can hurt, or we can use our words to build each other up. Imagine the words you choose to speak, saving lives, giving hope, and changing the trajectory of someone's life for the better. Next time you feel inspired to use your words to lift another, don't hesitate. Do it. You won't regret it. If you know someone this story might resonate with, send them a link to this episode. Also, tag me on Instagram at Tracy Farron and let me know what part of this story resonated with you the most. The best way to help support this show is to rate, review, and subscribe. Your support means everything. Until next time, rock your kindness. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.